The Victorians are weird. But who can blame them? They lived through a wild period of change, featuring technological and industrial revolutions that transformed predominantly agricultural societies into urban ones. They subscribed to religious doctrine and scientific thought interchangeably, inventing electric light, all the while blaming the humors for their ailments. They lived a strangely contradictory existence, one that is now highly romanticized. The Victorians are weird, but are we any different? Welcome to Museum Chat Live, a fairly regular podcast series brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre. We're bringing you all things to do with St. Catharines, our history, and what's going on at our museum. Our community is filled with diverse stories, and we recognize that our story begins with the Indigenous peoples of this land. We acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on lands that have been inhabited by Indigenous peoples for millennia. And we would like to honor the centuries of Indigenous peoples who walked on Turtle Island before us. Welcome to a special three-part mini-series examining the museum's exhibit, Victorian Tweets, and the people who inspired it, the Victorians. The series is hosted by me, Adrian Petrie, Visitor Services Coordinator at the St. Catharines Museum. Victorian Tweets juxtaposes daily Victorian life found in newspapers, diaries, letters, and ephemera against the modern Twitterverse. The archival documents found in the exhibit and included here in our special podcast series are interesting, quirky, mundane, snappy, rude, and pointless, just like Twitter. As modern progressive people of the 21st century, we enjoy a certain distance from the romanticized and contradictory Victorian period. But are we really that different from our Victorian ancestors? On this first episode of the special podcast series, we'll explore what it means to be Victorian. We'll hear some of the tweets and their original sources on this podcast, read and recorded by some familiar voices of staff and volunteers. But first, a message about some of our upcoming programs. Hi everyone, it's Adrian here at the museum. We are so excited to welcome you back to the Virtual Museum Lecture Series presented by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre this fall. We had an incredibly fun and successful spring series featuring stories of horses, shipyards, memorials, canal builders, and freedom seekers. Now we're back after a little summer break with new and exciting historical adventures to fill your Tuesday evenings. Join us this fall and mark your calendars for a great lineup of local history lectures you can enjoy from the comfort of your home. September is all about our annual guided spirit walks at Victoria Lawn Cemetery. We'll have historian Adam Montgomery kick off the series on September 15th with a lecture about cemeteries and monuments with a focus on Victoria Lawn Cemetery. Then I'll be here on September 29th with a special behind the scenes look at our virtual presentation of the annual tours through Victoria Lawn featuring stories and memories from the cast and crew of our Guided Spirit Walks. October is just as exciting and will feature another special guest, Natasha Henry, historian and president of the Ontario Black History Society. Natasha will be giving a talk on the history of Ontario's racially segregated schools on October 13th. 
On October 27th, I'll be back to discuss the somewhat lost and mostly forgotten history of the Third Welland Canal. On November 10th, we'll present our emotional and touching First World War series, Stories from the Front, with stories from our collection about experiences at home and at the front from St. Catharines. On November 24th, I'll be joined by our public programmer, Sarah Nixon, to discuss a report commissioned by the United States Congress Freedmen's Inquiry Commission, written by Samuel Gridley Howe in 1863 on the condition of freedom seekers in Canada. Local interviews with both freedom seekers and recognizable names of the city's established businessmen opens up new histories we aren't used to hearing. And finally, on December 8th, our curator Kathleen Powell will present a talk on local fashion and our new exhibit, Marking Time, which features important moments of life and the textiles that go with them. Join us this fall and mark your calendars for an exciting virtual museum lecture series. Register by donation by calling the museum at 905-984-8880 or by emailing the museum at museum at stcatherines.ca. I cannot get over the Victorians. They are quirky, strong, contradictory, and lived in a heavily romanticized era of history that I am completely obsessed with. Most of us have a specific image about what the Victorians and the Victorian period was like. We have so much media, romanticized or otherwise, that concentrates its storytelling in that period. Perhaps it's the rich fabrics and familiar fashions that make costuming a period drama TV show or movie so rewarding. Maybe it's the fascination with the royal family, the celebrities of the age, a fascination that continues today. Maybe it's the architectural style we hearken for in a postmodern world of glass and concrete. Maybe it's romantic notions of empire and colony that unfortunately persist today. Curating the Victorian Tweets exhibit reminded me, and others who have taken it in, that while the world around humanity changes, humanity itself doesn't seem to change all that much. While we can see ourselves in the archival documents in this exhibit, now even more clearly because I've written modern tweets to translate them for a modern audience, there still persists this idea of separation between us as modern progressive and them as backwards and stuffy. Why does this idea of separation and difference, and even, ironically, superiority, persist when so many similarities exist? The Victorian period is, of course, named for the reign of Queen Victoria, who reigned between 1837 and 1901. But when I say the Victorian period, or even Victorian, what image does it conjure in your imagination? One thing that the word usually conjures is an image of Victorian England, probably because so much of the popular culture Victorians around the world were consuming at that time came from British Victorians. But the Victorians of Great Britain experienced a somewhat different life than Victorians here in Canada. Industrialization, perhaps the most significant occurrence or event or thing of the 19th century, manifested itself a bit differently here in Canada than in England. Urban centers were still much smaller here than how Dickens described a city like Manchester in the 1850s. This is also a challenge because our idea of the Victorian period is colored by Englishness or Britishness. Harriet Tubman and Abraham Lincoln were technically Victorians too. 
Separating out those English elements of the period when talking about the Victorian experience in Canada is tricky, but it's important. For example, the lack of an existing formal aristocracy in Canada meant that the political dynamic was not focused on keeping the lower classes in line in the same way it was in Great Britain. Instead, our informal aristocracy relied on the participation of businessmen and farmers alike, as long as they were rich or on their way, white, male, English, or of English descent, Anglican, and owned land. The period is also challenging because of its expansiveness. Victoria reigned for over 60 years in a period that saw enormous change. That change is impossible to cover in an exhibit or a book, let alone a definition. Look at the last 60 years of our own era. Could anyone have imagined the computer revolution or how it's changed our world? It's difficult to pin down a picture of the last 20 years, let alone the last 60. Then there's what historians of the past did to the period. The 1970s and 1980s shrouded the Victorians in a rich, plush, velvet curtain of romance, wiping poverty and gender disparity out of Dickens and creating images of a better time gone by, filled with period dresses and tea parties. The Victorians themselves, too, participated in romanticizing theirs and other periods of history. The Victorians practically invented romanticizing the past by reviving Gothic and classical structures, which roared back to influence architecture and design for a hundred years. So you can see then just how difficult it is to pin down these pesky Victorians, since they've been portrayed in so many different ways. Your idea of Victorian is different from my idea of Victorian, is different from everyone's idea of Victorian. The only way, really, to understand them is to find a window in which to gaze into their lives and see ourselves what it was really like to be a Victorian. Thus, the exhibit. By displaying the bare archival documents next to my obviously modern and entirely fictional tweets, the gap between 1850 and 2020 begins to shrink. When thinking about our question, if we're really that different from the Victorians, the easy way out, I'd say, is to look at all of modern society's achievements, technological, social, medical. We don't send folks with developmental disabilities away to asylums anymore and instead welcome them and support them in society. Women and indigenous peoples have the right to vote. Education is mandatory. Life expectancy is doubled over the Victorians. It's difficult to pin down the period, isn't it? That's always been evident to me, and so when I was curating the exhibit, my goal wasn't to directly answer the question for you, but rather create opportunities for you to discover and make up your own mind as to whether we're really that different from the Victorians. But as you listen to some of the Victorian sources, I challenge you to listen closely you might be surprised by some modern narratives set in Victorian times. But first, a message about some of our upcoming programs. Collecting, researching, and preserving your family history is challenging work. As museum professionals, we get it. What do you do with those old photographs, your mother's silverware, or your wedding gown? How do you record the stories that have been in your family forever before it's too late? The St. Catharines Museum wants to help you with these questions. We're offering a two-day virtual workshop to help you figure out how to organize and care for the information and materials in your own family collections. 
Join us remotely on Saturdays, October 24th and November 7th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. From a screen and into the comfort of your home, St. Catherine's Museum staff will guide you through how to organize and keep track of your family records and photographs, how to care for and store family heirlooms and special collectibles, and how to write and record your family story. Registration is $50 per person and spots are limited. Register today by calling the museum at 905-984-8880 or reach out by email museum at stcatherines.ca. I've recruited some familiar voices to help record the fictional tweets which appear next to the real historical source in the exhibit. We've also added in some additional material which doesn't appear in the exhibit. Enjoy the tweets. I am extremely proud to support the founding of the new Refugee Slaves Friends Society, which will help to organize our response and assistance for incoming escaped slaves to St. Catharines. Hashtag Underground Railroad. Refugee Slaves as Friends Society. At a public meeting held at the St. Catharines Town Hall on Friday evening, April 16th, James Lamb Esquire was called to the chair and the Reverend Hiram Wilson appointed secretary. The meeting was opened with prayer by the Reverend Mr. Ryerson. The secretary moved the following resolution with a constitution appended which was ably supported by remarks from the Honorable William Hamilton Merritt, Member of Provincial Parliament, and unanimously adopted. Resolved, that we sincerely rejoin in the anti-slavery developments, as also of the better portion of the United States, and as we wish to contribute to our individual and local influence to the aggregate of moral power which under God is adapted to effect the disenthrallment and elevation of mankind, we deem it expedient and proper to organize a philanthropic society for the good of suffering victims of oppression to be governed by the following. Constitution. Article 1. The society shall be called the St. Catharines Refugee Slaves Friend Society. The object of which shall be to bear testimony against slavery by extending sympathy and friendly aid to those who have escaped therefrom and are taking refuge in this section of Canada. Article 2. The officers of this society shall be consistent of a president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, and a committee of five persons to be chosen annually. Article 3. It shall be the duty of the president to preside at all regular meetings of the society or in case of his absence the door. It shall be the duty of the secretary to conduct the correspondence of the society, record its proceedings, and make an annual report. Article 5. It shall be the duty of the treasurer to take charge of the society's funds and furnish an annual report of all receipts and disbursements. Article 6. It shall be the duty of the committee, together with the president, secretary, and treasurer, who shall be ex officio members of said committee, to call public meetings, mature a system for the promotion of the education of the children of those unfortunate persons who may seek an asylum among us, bring forward business, and attend the executive duties of the society, a majority of whom shall constitute a quorum. Article 7. Any respectable person who may become a member of the society by subscribing to the Constitution and paying into the Treasury five shillings currency per annum. Article 8. 
The Constitution may be altered or amended by a vote of two-thirds of the members, provided the proposed alteration of amendment may be submitted to the Society in writing at least three months before action is had thereon. The officers of the Society were then appointed, after which the following resolutions were proposed and adopted. Resolved that Mr. Logan, who had been obliged to fly from Syracuse, where had taken refuge and hopped for personal safety and a free state, has our deepest sympathies in his present sufferings, separated as he is from his wife and family and home. We believe Mr. Logan has labored assiduously to promote the interests of his colored brethren who have taken refuge among us and earnestly hope that his labor may be continued among them. Resolved, that the enslavement of man in a flagrant sin against God and an outrage upon humanity not to be countenanced by civilized people who reverence the word of God or bear Christian name. Resolved, that the sublime heavenly precepts and principles of the Christianity as taught by the New Testament by our divine Redeemer and his holy apostles are clearly and powerfully antagonistic to human thraldom and must prevail to the last vestige of slavery shall disappear from the face of the earth. Hiram Wilson, Secretary, the St. Catherine's Journal, April 22, 1852. I can't believe the judge was going to let Edward off with a warning. Even after my insistence, he only got 15 days for his drunken behavior and abuse. Hashtag ridiculous. Hashtag justice for women. Woman's rights. This morning, a smart-looking woman called on his worship and entered a complaint against her husband, a worthless sot named Edward Lynch, who it appeared abused her in a most brutal manner while in a glorious state of intoxication. His worship issued a summons for his arrest, which was speedily effected, and he was arraigned for hearing. On being asked the usual questions, he pled guilty and said he was sorry for what he had done and promised to be a good boy in the future. This promise wouldn't go down, and at the insistence of his wife, he was sent to jail for 15 days. St. Catherine's Constitutional, September 10th, 1856. Another perfect example of why temperance is needed on our streets and in our homes. Hashtag alcohol ban. Paralyzed drunk. The first case of paralyzed drunk seen on the streets of Port Luzi for some time was wandering aimlessly down Main Street yesterday afternoon. He was a mariner who had evidently drifted down from St. Kitts. The Evening Star, May 15th, 1888. So, what do you think? Join us next time when we feature more tweets from the exhibit and look at the parallels and differences between us and them. For now, send us your comments about what the Victorian era means to you. Maybe you live in a Victorian era house, or perhaps you love a good Victorian era movie or book. Whatever it is, share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out via facebook.com slash St. Catherine's Museum and at SDC Museum on Twitter and Instagram. Our look back into the Victorian period doesn't end here. Victorian Tweets is on display now through March 2021 
at the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center, open daily to the public by donation. If you can't make it into the museum, check out the virtual exhibition found on our blog, stcatharinesmuseumblog.com. Special thanks to our tweet readers, staff members Sarah Nixon and Lauren Curtis, and our volunteers Des Corin, Kathy LeBlanc, and Brenda Schultz. Museum Chat Live is brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre and the City of St. Catharines. <laughs>